Ladies and gentlemen, stand cheer for the Bulldog Fans Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt and Scott, on their way down the tunnel at ANZ Stadium, on their way to the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Go up as one for Matt and Scott, the NRL Bulldogs Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm Scott and I'm always joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm a lot better than I was on Saturday night. Almost don't want to talk about it. That's how bad it was. But we will a little bit later. We'll just run through some of the the news happening out of Belmore. Uh, Josh Jackson's taking the early guilty plea. And uh, we'll miss this uh, upcoming match against the South Sydney Rabbitohs uh, with that crusher tackle he did on Annex Glenn. Uh, so a big loss there for the Bulldogs, losing their captain. Uh, ran off for Tony. Uh, was facing a $1,500 fine. I believe he took the early guilty plea, guilty, guilty plea on a dangerous hit on Anthony Milford. Gone down to $1,150. Uh, Jerry Marshall King. Uh, what a game from him, I thought, in such a short period of time. Those fears that he broke his foot. It's actually a mid-foot ligament injury. Uh, requires to go under the knife and is expected to miss the next six to eight matches. Uh, so we're wishing him all the best. Other Seaman and Fangai has been added to the top 30 uh, to the Bulldogs. So he's been promoted. Question before we move on with the rest of the news. He's been listed multiple times this season in the 21-man squad, and he wasn't allowed to play. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Not sure. It put us for a, uh, for a little bit of a loop, didn't it? We were um, talking about asking the question that uh, when, when does he come into the team? Um, and he wasn't even in the top 30, but allowed to be in the reserve list. So I'm wondering if there was special dispensation there. Mm. Uh, but then given uh, the woes of the Bulldogs pack in 2021, uh, surprise it didn't happen sooner. Mm, yeah, I actually thought he would have been added after the trial. He played pretty well in the trial game against the Cronulla Sharks earlier in the season. Uh, a young outside back, Tyrone Harding, has been let go by the Bulldogs uh, to in go for... To another to go to the Parramatta Eels jersey flag uh, to test his hand out there. He actually played fullback in their recent uh, jersey flag clash. I want to wish him all the best and good luck with it, the future. So that basically means we went with Ava joining the top 30. We hit our 30 limit and then to be also announced that Tyrone leaves. So we're down to 29 again on our official list. Uh, maybe just a, just a bit of fun, just off the top of the head. Number 30. You got to decide now. Who would you want to bring into the thirty, within reason? I mean, you can't just say like a, a Cameron Smith maybe. Um, there you go. Be controversial. Say Matt Burton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, that that will get the uh, if any Peller fans are listening. I'm not sure what they would be, but if they were, uh, I'm sure that gets a wry smile out there. So big losses out of the loose, Scotty Jackson. Uh, One-game suspension and Jeremy Marshall King's out for six to eight weeks, as you mentioned. That's uh, massive losses given our lack of depth in the club and the way we're performing lately. Mm, that's a humongous losses. It's going to, you know, it doesn't get easier. The old saying that each week it's been harder and harder. And then versing the uh, Rabbitohs this week and losing Jeremy Marshall King, who I thought played pretty well in, against the Brisbane Broncos uh, before going off injured, and then losing your captain. Uh yeah, difficult, difficult right. task. Not much further to do, Scotty. Bulldogs versus Broncos, Lark Saturday. 
straight mm. into the NRL. Um, hope you appreciate this, uh, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, straight into the NRL. Bulldogs lost 24-0 um, to the Brisbane Broncos in Brisbane on Saturday night. Now, um, the depression part of the episode's come earlier. Um, thanks for that, Adrian. Uh, <laughs> There's a reason is, we put it is, after. This is for you, mate. This is for you. Um, yeah, well, initial thoughts, Scott. What do you reckon? Well, I'm just going to put this. This is two matches in a row with not a single point. Canterbury hasn't troubled the scorer two weeks first, in a row. First time in club history. First time in club history. So that's a disgrace. I'm going to put this out there. And this could be a controversial call very early on. I feel like Trent Barrett should be under the microscope. Uh, Todd Payton's copying a lot of uh, the media attention in the same situation as Bulldogs pretty much. Actually, just a little bit higher on the ladder, ladder just due to the for and against. Uh, so they're in the same situation. They're 0-3, we're 0-3. Uh, they got smashed on the weekend. We got smashed by a team who hasn't won in 13 games. Their last win was against the Bulldogs at Suncorp Stadium, which pretty much saw Ding Pei's departure of the club. Uh, we bought Trent Barrett because this was going to be our attacking thing. I'm not saying it was going to gel instantly, but it feels like we've taken a massive step back in our attack, which was meant to be the thing that was going to be improving. So... I actually feel like, rightfully so, there should be some heat on Trent Barrett. Not saying that he should be fired now. I think, you know, very early days. But I feel like he should be feeling some pressure. We were promised at the start of the season, he said, we're going, we're going, we're in this season not to be underdone. We're going to be ready to go. He didn't say we're going to start winning matches straight away or promised us this glorious run. Uh, looking at the way we're playing, we look like we're underdone massively. So I think his first promise is lied. He came in with this very positive vibes type of thing that, you know, maybe we won't make the eight, but we'll we'll trouble the top teams. Like, we'll be competitive. Uh, pretty much, even against Newcastle at stages, we weren't competitive. And he, sees, he said he saw some patches of brilliance against the Broncos. Well, apart from individual players, as a team, I saw no patches of brilliance. I saw no patches to be proud of. I saw... Um, a lot of negativity, which is obviously that he wasn't denying there wasn't, but there was not one patch I felt, oh, we're playing all right, but the Broncos were just good on too good on the day. That 24-0, if we're versing Melbourne, South Sydney, which were our next two games, by the way, and we play like that, we're losing 50, 60, maybe even 70-0 against those clubs. That's as bad as it gets. Yep. Uh, 100% yeah Um, look I'm sure Trent Barrett I I reckon Trent Barrett is under pressure Um, he's just not being played out of the media at the moment which is probably a good thing for the club and definitely a good thing for Trent Um, I suppose the two differences uh, partially speaking uh, between you you brought up Todd Payton's under some pressure already three games into um, his new club up there I suppose the difference is Trent Barrett staying calm. He's collected. He's very professional in the way that he's presenting himself to the media. Yeah. And uh, Todd Payton is looking like he's losing grand finals every week. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, what I was going to say. In the sheds. So Todd that's Payton's the reactions. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm I'm much more happier with um, the way Trent Barrett's handling it than Todd Payton. Um, having said that, um, now. You, you could correct me in a few different areas here, Scotty, because I was watching the game from a pub without sound. Uh, yep. It was on the big screen, but there was no sound. So I don't I don't have the advantage of uh, hearing what the commentary team was saying or anything like that. Um, well, lucky and, you. And I um, 
I actually haven't gone back to rewatch the game because uh, there's only so much we can take as fans. Um, I'm going to distance myself from the Trent Barrett talk that you talked about, which I think yeah, is valid, fair. but I'm going to yeah. distance away from that and just talk about the team performance. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. I was up on the Central Coast in a pub watching it on the big screen without sound, as I said. Um, and for the final 15, 20 minutes of that game, I sat there shell-shocked at what was playing out in front of us. We could not score a point against the Broncos. Against probably, and this is not to um, you know, put anyone else down or whatever, but probably one of the worst offensive sides in the NRL. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Kimmy might change that, Kimmy Walters, but over the last 18 months... The defence has been non-existent in games, and we couldn't score a point. The first half was some of the worst NRL football I've seen. Yeah, it was a boring first half for both teams. 2-0 to the Broncos. Whenever any side got into an attacking position, they just dropped the ball. Yep. Bulldogs bombed a try that would have changed the game again um, with the Adam Elliott break and passing the inside to Flanagan, I think it was. Yeah, terrible, I think it was a... terrible ball, too. I think it was okay. forward. Yeah, I was about to say, I thought it was a forward pass, and... But it's a bomb try. Yeah, it was. Definitely was. I don't know why he double pumped. Just get the ball. Flanagan was 10 metres to his side. Just get the ball to him. He's not going to be caught in 20 metres with a 10 metre gap between him. Mm. And no, no other defender. Just give it to Flanagan. Uh, that would have been a try. We could have changed the game. Could have built some confidence. Now, I will say the uh, I, I, I've heard some media commentary since the game saying, oh, the Broncos got the second try and got some confidence out of it and went through. Um I didn't say it that way. I saw the Bulldogs give, gave up. After the Broncos' second try, the Bulldogs gave up and just withdrew from the contest. Um, again, not gonna, not saying this to be negative, but I'm just saying the way I saw it. And uh, like you know, players can come out and say that uh, they they didn't, and that's you know fine, but that's a um, perception. Um. After the game, reflecting on it and reflecting on the Bulldogs team of the last three years, this might be a big comment, but I have not seen a worse Bulldogs team play in my life. And that's where the club's at on the field. That's massive. I think that part needs to be highlighted in the podcast because that was such emotion. You could hear it in the voice. The tone changed completely. Um... Yeah, to well. add to to that, I reckon you read the game really well. It wasn't Broncos too dominant in the second half at all. Uh, the mistakes by both teams cost themselves points on both sides in the first half. Uh, it was very poor football. It was probably one of the worst first halves I've ever seen in a game. Like, I'm sitting here watching Newcastle versus Tigers play on the Sunday with more enjoyment and not caring who wins yeah. than yeah. watching watching that. That, like, that Knights and Tigers game, for me... I was sitting there with a smile on my face, enjoying the contest, getting confused who was going to win. It's more, it's more um, enjoyable watching the Sharks play if you had an interchange bench. Yes, against the like, Eels and the and the thing, the Raiders on the weekend with one on the yeah. bench and their effort, to, their gallery and the effort to almost hold off a win. The Sharks didn't just never die at any stage. They just kept going and going, even though they were never going to win that contest. They just kept giving it in. Like those players just wouldn't call it a day until the full-time siren went. Um, then, like I said, the Tigers and Knights was such a 
entertaining game and I was sitting there with a smile on my face just watching it real and then knowing that I didn't even care who came on the victor of that one. I was just enjoying the contest. Even though there weren't great football, the effort from both sides and the you know the error rate was high, but the effort on both sides and the emotion on the players when they made a mistake, you could feel it. And I didn't see much of that in Canterbury when they made a mistake. Um at all so I think you know you really highlighted it well. It I can't really disagree with you with anything, really. I wanna it's a big call, well, but I think it's the right call. Now that's been said, all we can do as fans is get behind the players that we've got that are running out in the field on Friday and get behind Trent Barrett and hope that it can be turned around. Yeah. Uh, obviously Trent Barrett's with him every day and he sees things that we don't. Um and he's saying to the players to trust the process. So, as fans, all we can do is trust Trent, but the players will eventually trust whatever process they're trying to put out. We haven't been able to see it yet, um, or see the completion of it, I should say. Um, and for Friday night against South Sydney, I just hope we score a point. Mm, we just need moments. Like, Bulldogs and Panthers, that first half was competitive. The first 40 minutes was really mm. competitive stuff. And, you know, they even almost scored that try and there was a little knock-on. And that was against the top of the table, Penrith. Someone who looks like they're going to be there again this year. Against the bottom of the table, uh, you tipped us to win on the weekend. Uh, mm. a, a lot of people tipped the Bulldogs to win. It was a pretty much a split down the middle. And some people just tipped Broncos because it was in Brisbane. Just because well, they couldn't tip the game. I thought the Broncos were going to win. Uh, I tipped the Bulldogs because as a Bulldog fan, at this stage, you have to tip the Bulldogs in these type of games. Mm. Like, you know, people were saying the battle of the spoon. I was saying the battle of the second last. Um, those are the type of games that no matter how bad your team's doing, you've got to tip them <laughs> in, in those tipping competitions at this stage. Um, but that's it. Um, yeah, like it's not... It's not real positive, is it? No. Um, like sometimes we come off a loss, and we can, you know, highlight three or four players, you know, yeah. who put the thing on the thing. And when we were doing our like our point system that we do every week, and really giving them a man of the match or the Bulldogs performer of the match, I guess you can call it. Uh and these type of matches, uh, I picked my two points. I think my, the two points to me. I'm not going to say it just yet until we mm. get to that part. The two points picked itself, in my opinion. Mm. There was one player. At the end of the 80 minutes, there might have been another player who unfortunately didn't get to finish the game with their performance, I'm just saying in general, yeah. that they can hold their head up high as an individual and say what they did for the, the Bulldogs that day, they couldn't do anymore. They did everything they could to contribute to a win. But then when I, if I look around the dressing room, and like you said, the second half, did everyone do that? And the answer is no, not everyone did play anywhere near their actual potential as well. And, and when picking the one point, sorry, that was when I had to lose more stats and some, some little bit of performance of the first half or caught my eye in the first half. Mm. And that's the only reason the one point was given. It's almost that I don't want to give a one point. <laughs> that's yeah. just my opinion like, in that one. Um, I, I, I do the same as you. If, if I'm finding it hard to split players, whether good reason or bad, I will then look at the stats. I didn't look at the stats. I, mm. I picked my two and one off what I saw, and I, I haven't looked at the stat. I'm oh, sorry, I lie. I did have a quick look to see um, 
my number two player, my points, two points player, uh, exactly how many meters he ran uh, because it was it was a pretty good effort. Um, we will say though, um, going into the game, it was an ideal preparation. Uh, being locked up in a hotel room because of a COVID outbreak in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, if we lost the game to the Broncos by six points, eight points, ten points, you could probably say, you know what, that didn't help. And it would be somewhat of a um, of a, of a reason. Mm-hmm. To lose 24-0 um, and not look like scoring a point outside of one line break and a a silly double pump. Um, it, it's it's pretty bad. Mm. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, and like you know, I don't obviously you know me. I don't. I'm not saying this to be to be you know for the podcast or for people to listen to it and be like, oh wow, that's a big statement. We don't do that. Um, and I don't mean to be. You know, I'm a positive person most of the times. Mm. Um, mm. Coming to this season, going, you know what? We'll finish tenth. There'll be yeah. a chance we can make the eight if things, a couple of bounces and the balls go the right way. Uh, but, you know, it comes a time where like, I think Paul Kent summed it up best on 360 last week. The loser of the Broncos versus Bulldogs game yeah, will be scratching their head going, we lost to them. And not only do we lose to them, but they beat us 24 now. Yeah, um, even worse. So, like, yeah. I don't know if, like, and when I say I haven't seen a worse Bulldogs team, there may have been a period of six to eight weeks of uh, there's been seasons where we've been ravished with injuries and we've had other teams, um, second or third choice players come in to finish the season for us and, and all that sort of stuff. And that's been pretty bad. And uh, there's no cohesion in those teams and all that sort of stuff. But that, those moments, uh, and maybe the team that we put out the field now will beat that team. But that was a six to eight week period, or it was half a season, or it was a year at worst. And we bounced back. In fact, that's been going on for three years. And I don't know if I'm being kind there. Um, is is you know is really you know that's what I mean by worst team over the period of time. I've never mm. seen the Bulldogs perform so badly for so long. Mm. That's what I mean. I mean, even in our first year where we were getting hammered by 70 and 80 points, we won a premiership yeah. three, three seasons later. You know, left yeah. that season. All right, let's move on. Let's get out of the depression. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's go to the points. Um, let's go to the points. Player of the year round. If you don't know the rules, uh, Scotty gives two points uh, and a one point, uh, just like the Daily M's, except no free point. I do the same. If someone appears on the list, they get a bonus on both lists, okay. I should say. They get a bonus point that week. And we tally the numbers at the end of the year and we give our Fair Podcast Player of the Year award out, which is actually not a monetary reward at all. Um, if the players find out about it, it's just a bit of a uh, bit of fun. And um, bragging rights, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, all right, yes. Scotty. Oh, should we start with our number ones this week? Yes, I think, I, I think, I think so. everyone knows who our number twos are. Yeah, I think you gave away my number one anyway, just a bit earlier. But anyway, shoot, Scotty, who is your one point for this week? So like I said, I've gone to Adam Elliott. Uh, the only reason was because he made 43 tackles, 15 runs for 128 me- uh, metres, 37 post-contact metres, two tackle breaks, one line break. Uh, the only forward to achieve over 100 metres. 
So we're having a problem with our forwards. It's probably caught my eye. Uh, Adam, in a sense, he butchered a try for sure. He butchered a glo- uh, an easy four points. Um, however, with Adam, in a way, in the first half, he did look dangerous. And every time he touched the ball, you know, the Broncos, you could, I could feel a little bit when I was watching it. I felt like the Broncos had a bit of fear around him when he was coming back on the inside and doing his little go-to runs going from the outside to back into the inside, back into the middle of the field. So I felt like there was a bit of fear and he looked a little bit dangerous, looked like something could have happened from him. So therefore, that's my one point. Cool. Um, can't really argue too much with that. Um, what, a, what an incredible stat you just brought up. Only forward to run for over 100 metres. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Um, I've gone one point to Jeremy Marshall King. Uh, so that puts Adam Elliott and Jeremy Marshall King on the board for the first time. Uh, it's only round three, so that's not much of a shock. But um, I thought um, he started for the first time, obviously. Uh, unfortunately, he got injured. But I felt we were playing much more direct football when he was at dummy half. We couldn't hold the ball, but we were playing much more direct. I thought we were looking a lot more dangerous. Um at parts, obviously. Mm. I feel I feel that he runs knowing he's got a hooker on the bench. Mm. He's not afraid to run or vice versa if he's on the bench coming in. Knowing that he's not playing the 80 like he has been in previous years where he's played the full 80 or like 70 plus minutes before mm. being replaced. So I feel like he's a much dangerous player when he has that second option of hooker. So. Absolutely. And Scotty, two points. Uh, this player has got two points for both of us. Yeah, uh, and the bonus point, which puts him equal first of the Player of the Year podcast already, tied with Nick Kotrick and Kyle Flanagan. It's uh, currently sitting on five points. Do you want to announce it or me? Oh, I'll give it an announce. <laughs> uh, it's, of course, it's Nick Meany. Yeah, he ran for over two hundred meters. Um, he he was making runs, yeah. yeah, he was making post contact meters too. I haven't got it in front of me. You might, I'm not sure, but I think he was one of the leaders in post contact meters, which is incredible. Eighty four, uh, given, given his size uh, as well. Like we've talked about that before on the podcast. He shifted Corey Allen to the wing. Um, I was going to ask you a question, Scott, but it's given the team list this week. Um, I think I know the answer, but the question was going to be: Was Corey Allen injured? Or um, uh, was he hooked to the wing? It looks like he was hooked to the wing. Is that right? Yeah, I was hooked to the wing. I Well, the way I saw it, when it took me at first a surprise when I saw Nick Meany in the middle of the field. At first, I just assumed uh, he was injured or there was a bit of fatigue in play where him, you know, it's still early on in the season. He's played a lot of his NRL on the wing, Corey Allen, at South Sydney Rabbitohs. So I thought maybe a bit of fatigue. But it actually happened straight after the Jermaine Asako try where Corey Allen got nowhere near him at all when Durant put that massive step and Corey Allen got his legs glued. It was looked mm. like he was stuck in cement. He looked like he looked like he had cement in his boots where he couldn't move his legs anywhere. And then straight after that, next play, next set of six of defense, uh, Nick Meany standing right in the middle of the field. And I was, was watching it. Uh, the conversation actually didn't bring it up at all. It wasn't brought up in conversation. I was just watching and I said, oh, I'm, I'm just going to watch Corey Allen and how he was running back on the wing. And then I was like, he doesn't look injured. Could be fatigue. I'll give it another five minutes or so to see if he shifts back, and he never shifted back. So, yeah, it was a, definitely a hooking. And Who was the commentator? The only commentator would miss that would have to be Dan Gillade, was it? It's 100% oh. was Dan. <laughs> oh, and, man. Uh, if he listens to this podcast, he must hate me. Yeah, uh, and also uh, his good friend, Bray Finasta. 
Real. Oh, I'm glad that now I'm glad the sound was down. At yeah, the, at the long that's beach nice. um, diggers. That's why I said you're lucky. <laughs> that's actually a nice place, the long diggers. But anyway, it's not about what, what a nice place to start. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to add to Nick Mean, this is not stats I'm going to add. I want to add one thing. That massive line break. Oh, he did actually have five tackle breaks, by the way. Enormous for a small guy. That dropout. He had no right to get back in the field of play. And he stretched himself over like he was just stretched himself over, almost like ripped his legs off his body to get the ball on the other side of the line was enormous. Like, so much I see in today's modern game, the ball goes in the end goal and it's not much risk. Just bat it dead, back out of fence, or just, you know, run the ball out or ground the ball. Nick Meany picked up the ball. Odds were so much against him to get out of there, and he did. So what an enormous effort. That's those little things where, you know, a player does that, does those little tiny things. That should have lifted... That should have lifted the team. When you saw someone like Nick Meany had like four or five Broncos on his tail and still mm. able to bump, bang over the top and then let me stretch my arm almost out of its socket to get it out on the other side of the try line where mm. the rest of my body has been tackled in the end goal but my hand's out here so the referee calls out. That should have been like, come on. like That should have been one of those lifting moments where it was like, I know you start to get over your own end, but for me, I saw that and I applauded it and I was like pumped if I was on the field, I would have been like, "Yeah, come on! If he can do it, I got to do my part for the team." That type of that type of energy. Yeah, it was, it was effort. Yeah, effort, effort on effort from Mooney. It was fantastic. Um, I don't know how anybody could not give him points. Yeah, like, um, for for that game, if you're doing a Bulldogs point scoring system. Anyway, um, let's get let's move on, Scotty, into uh, the South game. If you're yeah. ready, Bulldogs and South, four o five p.m. Is that correct? 4 or 5? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 4 or 5 p.m. at Stadium Australia. The Good Friday Clash. It's one of those ones I highlight from the start of the year. I know we've been speaking. It wasn't a positive uh, mm. conversation, but it's a game I love. It's Good Friday, long weekend. Yeah. Kick love... starts the long weekend, lovely. So. Yeah, I love being involved. I love the fact that we've got a traditional game as well. It's, it's good to see. You've seen what the Anzac traditional games have grown into, and uh, hopefully... In the next ten years or so, we can grow the these type of uh, traditional holiday games as well. Um, obviously, different meaning, but um, we can grow yeah. these into events for the sport. Fantastic. Um, four or five. Yeah, you said four or five p.m. on Friday because um, it's Easter. Um, we'll be there supporting the team, of course. Despite, <laughs> despite everything we said, we're one hundred percent behind the club. We'll be there, mm-hmm. uh, screaming as loud as we can, hoping for a win. Um, and hoping to see some points. <laughs> um, the team, Scotty, the team list, Nick Meany has been landed fullback, as we have mentioned uh, earlier, which pushes Corey Allen onto the wing. Tui Katoa keeps his spot on the wing, uh, with Will Hopawadi and Nick Kotrick in the centres. Um, the halves, record. Uh, Mountie's captain, apparently, Lachlan Lewis, uh, into 5-8, with Kyle Flanagan at halfback. Um... We've, we haven't been the biggest fans of Lewis. Um, my initial thoughts, Scotty, um, we'll just insert it here. My initial thoughts are putting him in Jersey 6 probably puts a lot of pressure on him, uh, given Wally. Mm. Wally um, He's done it before, might though. be unnecessary. Um, and also, I'm actually willing to uh, see how he goes with Kyle Flanagan as a halfback. So he's not uh, leading the team around. That's up to the plan. Um and we'll see how he goes at 5'8". 
uh, before making any more. Before I say anything else, well, I just say. quickly add. You played a blinder, Lachlan Norse, an absolute ripper of a game against the Raiders. For the Mounties? Uh, for the Mounties. He was brilliant. Like, the man of the match stuff, that's not just said because his name is Lewis or, you know, he's a very well-known figure in the yeah. Mounties. I feel sometimes the New South Cup player can, an NRL player can drop into Cup and, you know, have a good game and then just promote that a little bit better because, you're like, you know, you're yeah. a familiar face. So I did to... actually watch that game, the Mounties versus Raiders game. But, um, yeah. Maybe we could go in that, into that oh, more as we I go will, into will. the log rates. Yeah, I definitely um, will. But I'm just concerned with the halves part. I don't like Kyle Flanagan and Lachlan Lewis together. I feel like Lachlan really did a, just quickly, a very much controlling performance on the weekend. I just mm. say. And we got Flanagan. I, we just lost a runner. I don't think he's a runner at all. And I. Yeah. Just, well, I, that's just my view of the balance. Perhaps. Of the not against perhaps, Lachlan. Perhaps, Scott, we might need two organizers. Given, yeah, maybe. Given the way the team's going at the moment. That wasn't um, a dig at Lachlan for it. I know we've had some no, fancy no, no. Dates, but it was just the balance of a team having a running, more yeah, of yeah. a running half was what I was looking for well, at 5 both, but... both of us like halves that are a running half and a organising half. Yeah, um, yeah, that was, that's all I wanted to mention about. Maybe we need two organisers at the moment. Um, not to upset myself that Avarillo was moved out. Um, that's not a dig at him. I just feel like maybe number six is probably not his position. No, he probably, no. probably never was. Um, okay, in the forwards. Uh, Dylan Napa is starting with Jack Hedrington. Uh, Sione Katoa is the hooker, so Katoa gets promoted with the injury of Marshall King. Uh, Napa and Hedrington starting. Napa only lasted 17 minutes, starting last week. Yeah. The first team. That was interesting. I was surprised that um, he was given the starting role if that was the plan all along. Um and also, the other thing I thought was that if you're going to play that little time in the first stint as a starter, you need to make an impact, which unfortunately, I don't think he made. Yeah, he failed to do it yet. In the second row, Adam Elliott and Corey Woodell uh, with the lock uh, replacing the captain, Josh Jackson, is Rodolf Artoni. The bench, uh, Jackson Topine, I believe that um, he'll play hooker. Is, is he eligible to actually play? Because he's in the development squad, and they're not until later in the year. Yeah, well, I think he got injured after the All-Stars game, and that's why he wasn't playing in round one. Deets could play, but I he think... Put, I he think, actually played for the uh, Mounties in round one. Did he? Okay, yes, he well, played... Yeah, so, no, he saw, did, didn't he? He, did, he played yeah. hooker for the Mounties in round one. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure. Maybe there's a another, um, another allowance there by the NRL then. Yeah. I, see, so I, think... I expect him to play hooker, uh, given that Katoa's not an 80-minute hooker and um, there's no one else probably capable of playing hooker. Um, and that Topaz played hooker in the reserve grade. Um, yeah, that's interesting that he didn't play hooker in, in the first week. Dietz got the got the nod. How did, how did Dietz go in the reserve grade real quick? Oh, Dietz, beautiful. Uh, okay. Really, really well done, which yeah, I'll talk so... more about later. Yeah, sweet ass. Cool. Uh, joining Jackson on the bench... Um, Maybe we just need to have a player called Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Dean Brett, Joe Stimson, uh, Oftahiki Ogden. The reserve list is Jake Avarillo, Chris Smith, Brandon Wakem, and Matt Dury. Um, do you know who the captain is? That was actually my question. I've actually written it down on my sheet. <laughs> Who's the captain? It's not on um, on the NRL.com, 
team list. Um, I've got a feeling if I had to just put a stab in the dark who it will be this week. I don't know if it's announced yet or not. I would say it's going to go to Will Hopawadi. Just on pure games and international, like, you know, he's an international, he's won some pretty big games for Tonga. And, you know, he's played multiple first grade games over his career. However, I actually think he's kind of lucky to be in the side. And that was actually going to be a conversation I was going to actually going to talk to you about, uh, which I put down on my little run sheet here, just to so I didn't forget the thing, is you look at that 17, mm-hmm. pick a captain for me. Do, do, do. Yeah, you got to play the waiting music as we wait uh, to pick someone. Yeah, I, look, if I was picking the team, actually, you know what? I know who I'd pick. If I was picking the team, I'd pick Kyle Flanagan. You reckon? I would because um, I reckon he's got the capabilities to be a captain one day. Uh, I reckon he's got the capabilities as being as good as um, Nathan Cleary. Uh, and I actually really rate Nathan Cleary. Uh, I know some people have a knock on him, blah, 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 whatever. I really rate him as probably the best halfback in the game at the moment. Um, and I reckon Kyle Flanagan could reach those heights as well. And I think Kyle Flanagan should be hopefully planning to play 10-plus years at the Bulldogs, make this team his own, um, and really become a leader of the club. And why not just give him a, an early taste back in the captain? I know it's a bit controversial. I pr- my first thought was Adam Elliott. Uh, but he's, he's out of the leadership he, squad. He, he's got, he got himself in some trouble um, recently. Um there's nobody else that obviously stands out, so I would make like a bold call, pick a young player that hopefully will be around for 10 years. Well, I, I was looking at the team list, and I thought at the start of the year, if I said if Jackson gets injured or whoever, it was Adam Elliott for me, Was I think was primed to be vice-captain of the side, and then he's out of the leadership group, so he's gone. Certainly it's gone. Uh, I looked at the side named. I thought, you know, uh, Dallin Watelling-Zelezniak would be up there. Of course, he's also not participating in this week's game due to suspension as well. So he'd be sitting on the sideline. So I thought he might've been up there. Uh, yes. I mean, that's somewhat controversial. Some people, uh, uh, don't believe he's captain challenging is a good strike weight for Dallin <laughs> and also maybe giving him the full control of that. Cause I think he's a very much heart in the sleeve type of player that you almost do no wrong with him as a thing, which is nothing insult to him or at all. And I looked at that side and I've really, I've got a feeling it'll be Will Hopawati on the weekend, but I'm, I'm playing at straws with that performance against Brisbane for Will Hopawadi and that performance against Panthers. The mm. ease they're running around Will Hopawadi. Like to des- I described it Jerome Lulwai two weeks ago when he ran around Will Hopawadi. It's like when you run at the fat kid in under 10s or something. Or the bigger <laughs> kid. I shouldn't say the fat kid, but the bigger kid, right? You pick the bigger kid because you know if you run straight at him, he's going to flog you. So if you mm. run around him, you got, you're going to back your speed around him because you're not going to run straight at a big kid. And that's what looked, Jerome Lula looked like he was doing all day against Will Hopawadi, and he just couldn't keep up with a 5'8", and he's a centre. Uh, Brisbane found just attacked his whole side. The media are not picking it up. Everyone's attacking Will Hopawadi's side, and they're making great ground on it. So if you had to pick on form alone, I wouldn't be going in confidently that he'd be my captain because I, you know, the poor form that he's bought this season, Will Hopawadi, um... You know when the captain, I do this and you follow your captain? He mm. wouldn't be leading that a great example on the football field because everyone's just at the moment running around him with ease. I think he's lost a yard or two of pace and he needs to readjust his defensive structure because he, he comes out a lot, Hopper Whitey, and the yep. teams take him on 
And when teams take him on, they go around him quite easily, where maybe two years ago, three years ago, where he could do that and still have that enough speed. Not dangerously fast by any means. He never has been since at Canterbury at least. But he had that enough speed to close the gap before anything really major came on. Now he's coming out of the line. They're running around him and damage done. You got the winger trying to make a decision that he shouldn't be forced to make. So I reckon he puts a cross for him. So someone like Kyle Flanagan. Then I thought, you know who would be good? Jerry Marshall King. Been around for a while. Gone! As well. So that's yeah. why I wanted to talk about the captains because there's so many players that... Probably even go like a Luke Thompson. Suspended. Yeah. Raymond Fatala Mariner. Yes. I was even, yeah, I was even thinking something like Raymond Fatala Mariner. Yeah. So there's a lot of gone to... You said Kyle Flanagan. Uh, yeah, who would you go with real quick? Uh, I don't know. I'd... I'll put a weird one out there. I'm going to say Corey Waddell. Keep right. it in the back row. I don't know. He just seems calm. I don't know. It just seems calm, but I'm not it'd confident be, about it. It'd be interesting to see because it's uh, back in the old, the old days. Back in the day, you'd have um, you'd, you'd have who, the captain was named. That was always a big thing in the team list. You'd have your vice captain named as well, or yeah. or your co-captain in the day. Um, and you could almost pick back in the day, um, like early 2000s. Um, the, the way the team ran out, the order they ran out in. Yes, Normally, like captain, vice captain, next, next to the line. Senior, or something. Yeah. yeah, so interesting. All right, Scotty, I think it's time to move on. Um, yeah. Or pr- pr- quick predict- prediction. Uh, if the Bulldogs were to win this game, it would be the one of the greatest wins in the club's history, given where we're coming from. Um, uh, yeah, if Canterbury to win, you'd probably say Latrell has gone off early, Cody Walker, <laughs> Adam Reynolds, and Damian Cook. Yeah. Plus maybe some more. Uh, South yeah. maybe playing with ten. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, South to lose like a, a one or two key players, mm. and Canterbury might be able to squeeze. Hey, a, we a um, we beat them last time. We did beat them last time. It was <laughs> Josh Jackson's charge of game. Yep. Uh, turned out to be Adam Tomlin's last game for the club as well. I think he won the game, Aiden, and just said, "You know what? I'm not playing Penrith. <laughs> I can't do that again." Two weeks in a row. Um, can we win? We need some luck to go our way, and I'm t- and I don't wish injury. I mean, a nice a send off would be nice if someone wants to clobber one of our players and they get up and don't go off for HIA. We could use that, but uh, I'm afraid that South will win by 36 plus. There you go. All right, let's move into the the next part, the lower grade watch. Um, I'll leave it with you for most of this part, Scotty, because I've haven't watched the Mounties and I haven't actually followed what was going on this week. Um, now, some listeners might say, you hypocrite. You always say that you're a fan of the club, um, not necessarily the NRL team, the whole club and everything about the club. How could you not know what is going on this weekend? Well, uh, I was away for the weekend for the wife's birthday, so I think I get a pass. Yeah, uh, I was going to call you. <laughs> you. You're just saying the next words in my mouth. No, I'm kidding. I, I knew exactly where you... Uh, while you're away. So I'll run this. Uh, feel free to stop me and pull some things up because I've done a lot of research as well. Uh, the Laurie Daly Cup, unfortunately. So the Northern Tigers, the affiliated club with the Bulldogs with the, the Northern Rugby League partnership with the club. So mm. we are under the Northern Tigers as well as having our own Bulldogs team. They made the grand final. However, they went down to the Central Coast Roosters 24-14. Just want to give them a round of applause making the grand final. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, just well done to the lads. I know it wouldn't feel good, but you know, coming second, at the end of the day, is a, you know a high achievement and everything like that. Uh, Harold Matt, uh, thirty-four points to eight, defeating the Dragons at Belmore Sports Ground. 
that was the round eight clash. It was the first win of the season. They're coming 12th. They've jumped off the, the uh, bottom of the ladder, but a 34 points to eight could feel a bit frustrated. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> getting a good win like that. When you're the won. dragons coming, our uh, dragons are below us now. Okay. So it was a win. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, H match, just to give you a quick update. They want to play their round nine, which is their last game. There is still potential for a made up game to come because of the wet weather still hasn't really been officially announced as yet. So when I get more details on it, I'll let you guys know for the podcast. So our round nine clash is against Newcastle Knights, 1230 at Maitland sports ground this weekend on Saturday. Uh, the Bulldogs SG ball side, guess what? They also had a very nice win against the dragons. Uh, defeating the dragons, 32 points to 18. Um, the SG ball side having a great season coming second on the ladder at the moment. Again, have a game could potentially be made, could be made up. Not a hundred percent sure yet due to that wet weather, uh, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, they also versus the Knights. They're going to go at the same ground at Maitland Sports Ground. Sports Ground. They'll be kicking off at two o'clock this Saturday. A Jersey flag. Well, they had a buy for round for round three, uh, but they also got to because the Bulldogs and Panthers both had a buy for round three, and they're meant to play each other round two. But due to wet weather, they were able to make the game up this week. However, the Panthers uh, fifty defeating the Bulldogs four. So we did get two points out the weekend because of the buy. Uh, not a great. Uh, Day for the boys for the uh, under twenty one side. However, mm. we are sitting fifth on the ladder. The buy does really help uh, put us up towards up the ladder. Uh, we are versing Jersey Flakes. A long season will come good. Yes, yeah, it is a long season, and Panthers are always the very strong side. In, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Jersey Flake round four. We're versing South Sydney Rabbitohs one forty five p.m. Not Saturday, but Good Friday. So get there early. Support the boys. Uh, in the Jersey uh, flag. ANZ? Yeah, Stadium Australia. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Stadium Australia. No free sponsorship here, people. Yeah. Um, 1.45pm. Yeah, uh, then they, uh, the boys, the, obviously the main game follows that at 4.05pm. 4, the reason I say this, uh, you, I wanted to highlight this point because it's the Bulldogs versus Rabbitohs. Bulldogs versus Rabbitohs in both grades. It's not the Mounties this weekend. Mm. Uh, the Mounties are not going to be at Stadium Australia. It's going to be a two... Game, Bulldogs and Souths, Good Friday clash. Get there early. Get there by one forty-five. Do you know what? Even get there at eight. Go to the Easter show or after. I don't know. Um, but I'll be sleeping in, but I'll be there for the for the flag. Yeah. How good's that? Um, I wonder if that's because of the it being Easter, the, the Easter clash. Wonder if um. Yeah, but I'm watching two fixed books, and if we're gonna win one, the flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, so the yeah, so the Tasha Gale Cup. Uh, we played our round eight game against the Dragons. Unfortunately, the girls went down uh, 24 points to 12. The Bulldogs are yet to win a game. Uh, the game looks like it's not going to be made up in the Tasha Gale. So uh, they're also going to first the Newcastle Knights at 11 a.m. at Maitland Sports Ground High School this Saturday. Uh, Harvey Norman Women Premiership. Uh, the Mounties defeated the Belmain Tigers 46 points to nil. Uh, big win by the girls there. Uh, they move up to fourth on the ladder, uh, and they will play round four against South Sydney at Albury Catch Reserve at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, the game we've been talking about a little bit in detail, the Mounties and the New South Cup, 34 defeat the Raiders, 10. The Raiders lineup, it was a strong lineup. 
Dynamis Louis, Corey Haria Naira, uh, Sam Williams, Matt Frawley, mm. uh, Caleb Aikens. Just to name it, just to list some a few. Some NRL quality in there. Um, mm. Interesting. Um, yeah, so you're saying that Lachlan Lewis had uh, a man of the match performance. Bradley Dietz did all right as well. And that was a pretty good Canberra Raiders squad. Some of those players in that team are only in that team because of off-field indiscretions. Otherwise, Corey Horsburgh? Mm-hmm. The two Corys. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, otherwise it'd probably be in the uh, the NRL team. Was, so that's, was, well, they probably will be this week after the carnage of the Raiders bench last week. You highlight, you highlight local Lewis. Lewis, for the first 40 minutes, played a perfect 10 out of 10 game. He was running the side. He was the conductor. He played that very well-organizing pair. Uh, looked good. Uh, his kicks... I've been not a fan of his kicks, and I've said this multiple times, but his kicks were on point. They were high. They looked dangerous. Looked exciting. Um, so he did uh, really well. Bradley Dietz tried to stop him running in the first half. He would not move. He would, after a quick play of the ball, bang, Dietz was away. Uh, to let the people know that most of the Fox Sports, they all pick, pick the Raiders because their side had more NRL quality. I know that doesn't always equal, but just to show the quality they did versus Chris Smith, just a blinder. Like, he was just brilliant. He even got to score a try. Uh, you'd like a big forward. I know he's lock forward scoring tries. He was absolutely amazing. Just did his work. Made meters. Nothing over-the-top glamorous. It's just, you know, you got knew what you were going to get from Chrissy Smith, and I thought he was absolutely awesome. You know, the, what you expect from a person who's played as much top grade as he has to bring that back down to uh, Cup. Uh, interesting thing I'm actually going to bring up. Lachlan Lewis was interviewed after the game. Uh, by Darcy McDonald, who was a former Bulldogs cheerleader captain, also working for Fox Sports now. Absolutely. Good on Darcy. Yeah, so good on her going into the Fox Sports. Doing some silence. She was did really well as well. She listens to our podcast. She's a massive Bulldogs fan, so hopefully she does. So, But if you do, absolutely awesome job uh, doing the sideline commentary. But she interviewed Lockheed and Lewis, and getting to the point now, Lockie was asked, will... Has your future being decided yet? Was pretty much the question. He went on to say, no contract for next year. Mm-hmm. He went on to go on to say is, I've put my resume out there for a lot of clubs. Um, I've got nothing decided yet in stone. Hopefully like performances like this can help me moving forward. So tell me one of two things. Number one, when you're asked and you're off contract and you want to stay at a club, that you kind of usually answer the question with, Oh, you know, nothing's been worked out yet, but I'm hopefully to stay at the club. I'm just, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get in talks with them, or I'm in talks with them now, trying to organise something. Mm-hmm. Completely ignored that from the Bulldogs. Number two, putting his resume out there to find something next year. So I mm-hmm. think someone's tapped Lachlan Lewis on the shoulder. I don't want to upset the fan base because he's got to. You either love Lachlan Lewis or you don't. That seems to be the two. Yeah. There's no middle ground on Lachlan yeah, Lewis. Look, there was some talk over the off season that the club was trying to move him on early. So yeah, so it looks know, like Sam Barrett. Two and two together, yep. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. I could the, be wrong. Yeah. Before you go on there, the only thing I will say about that is Lachlan Lewis never really answers an interview question the way you just expect from an average NRL player. That's yeah, that's true. He's a bit <laughs> of a he's a weird cat. He's he, he's an individual, yeah. Yeah, meeting him at Members Day was uh, definitely a bit of character about Lachlan. A bit funny, a bit of character, very different type of personality compared to a lot of the other NRL players. Um, so interesting take what you will with that. I actually, when I looked back at it, I looked at it and was like, wait a second. So he's gone. 
Then I start to think about it. You've got Kyle Flanagan. You've got yeah. Matt Burton next year. Yeah. You've got Jake Avrilo, who looks like he's been on... I know he's been dropped this week mm. for thing. Jake Avrilo's got a, a two-year deal. You've got Brennan Wakeham, whose contract expires next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, As in the what? end of next year? End of next year, yeah. So the end of yep. next year. So why wouldn't you, if you're him, there's a lot of people fighting for that number six jersey or potentially can go into that number six or seven jersey. Uh, so you wouldn't blame him if he's already put his hand up and said, even if, like, you know, I'm, my future's not Canterbury. I can yep. see that with Matt Burton coming especially. Well, I know the Cowboys are looking. They've um, lost Jake Clifford for next year and there's talk Michael Morgan might be medically retired. That's so sad. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyway, right, you got moving with else? the Mounties. No, yeah, moving with yep. the Mounties. Mounties are sitting second on the ladder, despite mm-hmm. their loss to Panthers. Uh, they're versing South Sydney Rabbitohs at 3pm at Elbro Ketch Reserve in Sydney. Uh, so, yeah, if you've got a free Saturday and you want to watch the Mounties, there's back-to-back games for the Mounties, but there's back-to-back games as well for Canterbury on Friday. Uh, so, overall, a good uh, week to wrap that up for our reserve grade. A lot of wins, uh, which is awesome to see. Um, yeah, and we'll keep you posted moving forward. There's not the season. It'll go shorter and shorter where the hates mats and SG ball season comes to an end. I promise you that. Absolutely. Alrighty, uh, moving on to oh, Rugby League World. It's coming World. back. It's coming back. It came back last week unofficially. We, just, we went on a tangent. Um, all right, let's go Rugby League World and Old Dog, Scotty. Okay, I just want to ask you a question. I don't know. You were away for the weekend. Be cool. I don't know if you've watched much of the NRL this weekend. Uh, Friday night, Stadium I've Australia. Seen, I've seen every game because my wife's a legend. Yeah, okay, there we go. Hooray. <laughs> uh, Stadium Australia, Friday night. Uh, what's a send-off? That's, I want to see where you, where you think I'm going with this one. Well, I know you're speaking about the Daniel Saluka Fafina incident on Jayara because of we talked about it off <laughs> off the camera real quickly. Yeah. Um, so I'll say that so the listeners know what we're talking about. Um, I get where you're coming from. Deliberate punch to the back of the head. You, it sounds like it should be a send-off, doesn't it? Um, there wasn't a lot of force in it, which obviously saved him. Uh, and I think he's only got a one game. He's taken the early guilty plea, one game suspension as well. Um, That's another conversation we're about to have in a second. Right, okay. Um, I feel like there can't be a black and white. I feel like it has to be up to the ref. And the referee needs to use his discretion during the game. And I'm normally really tough on referees not having enough balls, kahunas, to... Um... You always say that every time you follow up balls. With <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, to send players off or use the silver as much as they should. Uh, in saying that, if I was the referee, I would not have sent Daniel Saluka for feeder off for that. Okay. I, I, think, go... I think they got it right. I think, I, honestly, I think everyone got it right. I think the match review committee could have maybe suspended him for two weeks or three weeks. Um, one seems a bit light, but he's got the other guilty plea, that sort of stuff. Um, I think overall, pretty much spot on. Okay, so I'm going to 100% disagree with you. Number one, we're looking after player welfare. A deliberate attack on the head of a player who is not looking. Number two, you punch someone without them looking. Again, that's another argument because you do not punch someone in the when they're not looking. When you want to fight someone, fight them while they're both like, you know, you both can react. You don't come from behind to make that. It's un-Australian. That's the first thing. Uh, it is a cowardly act to punch someone while they're in a tackle. He had his face, Joe Arrow had his face in the grass. 
Like, there was no way for him to move. Like, there was no way if he did punch harder, like, it was up to him. Yeah, he might have pulled out of it. To me, I was, like, off straight away. I saw that live, and I was like, that. if that was me, I'd be sending him off straight away. We talk about player welfare when it comes to attacks to the head, high tackles and stuff like that. Um, we had a bit of a disagreement about it a couple of weeks ago after the Panthers game, which actually might have been last week, actually. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, with Dallin Watelli Zalesniak going in for a high tackle, which Nathan Cleary ducked a little bit into it, plus he stopped running, uh, which caused Dallin, because Dallin was going downfield with him, then Cleary came to a complete halt, and it was kind of like a last-minute, whoopsies, I have to put a stop. If Dallin doesn't hit him at all at any stretch, Dallin could be facing a dropping or a massive tongue lashing from the coach for not making a tackle effort, right? Dallin came with no intention at all, and it shouldn't be up to the player's injury to determine a punishment. You give Dallin two weeks, I don't agree with that exactly, but I'll take it on the chin. I get where they're coming from, uh, like Nathan Curry yeah. did. That's a good but, one. Took a minute to hit me then. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I'd say the difference is the force. No, but... And it's, that, it's got nothing to do with the injury. It's the force no, of, the, yeah, of the incident. But when... Dallin was going for the tackle at not one stage, mm. and everyone could agree with it, even Ivan Cleary agreed with it, mm. not one stage did Dallin intend to hurt Nathan. There was no intention to hurt him. It was just to tackle him. And they admit that because of Nathan's stop in his run, probably was the main factor of the stop, and the, mm. the duck was the main factor that Nathan ended up being knocked over. Not saying that's not worth a penalty by any stretch. You mm. hit someone in the head, you just got to have to cop the penalty. That's soft mm. as a thing. So that... Most of everyone can mainly agree that Nathan Cleary's actions, even though it was in a split second, was probably the main reason. He was the main reason Nathan Cleary didn't finish the game was himself. I mean, with Dallin's help, yes, I'm gonna. <laughs> but when you punch someone in the back of the head when they're not looking, mm. don't care how hard you hit him, that's an instant send off. And that for me is yeah. six matches minimum. When you punch someone in the back of the head in a tackle, for at someone's head now, like their head, I've always thought if you punch someone in the back of the head while they're not looking, you're off. Don't care how hard you hit it. You might as well make it harder than next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's instant send-off because, yes, yeah. because he should have been sent off. He deserved mm. to be absolutely torn. And number three, I reckon that's a six to 12 match suspension somewhere around there. Like, you can use the force and with it, he didn't force anything. I think that's a six-week punishment as it is. We're looking at the player welfare. He deliberately attacked a player's head. Dallin never deliberately attacked anyone's head. Mm. And he's out for two matches. We... That was with a guilt, early guilty plea that Dallin can't play this weekend. So Dallin's going to miss two matches Why a man deliberately punches someone in the back of the head. Jai Arrow didn't say, come on, I can massage in the head. <laughs> he, he got punched in the head. I get there was the yeah. feeling of that because Jai Arrow had that moment with James Tedesco last year. Yeah, that year. doesn't matter. That doesn't no, matter. but that doesn't... Yeah, that doesn't matter. I can understand that why they wanted to hit him harder. You hit him harder in a tackle. You put him on his back. You slam him on his back, you know? You yeah. pull at the ball or, you know, you just get under his skin. He punched someone without them yeah. looking. That's mm. a send-off straight away. And, yeah, and attacking someone's head. Yeah. We're meant to be going cracking down on player welfare in the head. Yes, mm. if Jairo was knocked out, if Jairo couldn't get up and stand up, which mm. he was, he'd be sent off. And I think... Absolutely, injuries, which that, that would require more force. Um, but players' injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. If Jairo went off for a HIA, yeah. he's sent off. Because Jairo had a bit of a massage because he went for it and then kind of pulled away from it, but still hit him. Mm. Sorry, you hit someone in the back of the head while they're not looking, coward, off. That's as simple as that. That's what I would say uh, as a referee. I'd say it's um, 
it was more of a push with a closed fist, I'd say. Closed fist or not, get off the closed fist push. Although I feel like the hard the hard lashes with the open hands would be a send off. Yeah, once you see the slap face. Anyway, moving on. Okay. A lot of talk about the eighteenth man on the interchange bench. Yeah. Uh a lot of it's been brought up because of the poor old Sharkies, uh, and I suppose the Canberra Raiders uh, copped it an absolute beauty this weekend. Uh, Sharks were playing majority of the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Majority of the game with no players on the reserve list, on the interchange bench. Sorry, not reserve list. The interchange bench. Uh, no. The Canberra Raiders were down to one for majority mm. of the game. Uh, Canberra Raiders lost two players for a HIA. Cronulla lost three players to a HIA. Uh, the rule intention was brought in. Not sure. It hasn't been approved yet. Then or hasn't made any official announcement. Uh, round yet. five. Round five. It's in round five. Oh, round five. Okay. The eighteenth man is in on a couple of provisos. Has to be a development player. It oh, has like. to be the development player has to be rotated every week, so players aren't missing out on playing games every week. And um, you can only use it if you've had free HIAs. So in last year, all of last year's season and this year's season. We've oh, had yeah. one incident where that would have been used. Okay, I I I like this. No, you can almost actually okay. if you're playing the game before New South Cup before your NRL game, you can almost actually play that game, and then shower and put on. Yeah, well, the, the big the big question at the moment is what is a development player? Is well, it a player that's on the development list? Um, is it a flag player? Is it, is, is it a cup player? Or is it a player um, who hasn't played many games under a cap of games? Yeah, so we, we I, need to find out what's going on there. I like this because when I first heard the 18th man, I was like, no way, you know, because I actually instantly thought when they was talking about this at the start, someone's going to go for HIA. you got a fresh player on the bench. Like this person jumps on like from there to the interchange yeah. bench straight away. But if they're going to do it, they've done it the right way. Yeah, look, I, I'd prefer not to have it. <laughs> um, but I'm much more comfortable with the rules they put in place. It should yeah. be used very rarely. I would um, say being involved uh, yeah. with res- like a reserve grade club, I won't name the club because uh, it was a policy of theirs to crack a forward, particularly in the head. If they got anywhere near the head, was to have a little bit of a jelly leg when you're getting up, even though you're not, and yeah. go off for a HIA. Funny enough, twice they did that in one uh, in back-to-back rounds. The player failed the HIA with no head knock. <laughs> so he wasn't able to get back on the field. And they lost the interchange. Oh, because after 15 minutes, you have to hand over an interchange card. Um, and then when yeah. they planned it again later in the season, hmm. the person who was meant to go down with the HIA copped a beauty in the head. The coach was like, he's acting on this one really well. Got ruled out, the independent, because he was gone. Like, he was throwing yeah. up in the shed. So he was ruled out before they even started any assessment. They said, nope, he's got to yeah. do the protocols for the week. So, I mean, mm. it bites on the backside, I guess. I guess you call it karma, trying to manipulate. But my point I'm trying to say is this way they've done it here. There's no mm. chance, no way the coaches are not going to try to push and bend the rules as much as possible. Whoa. But with this, you can't bend the rules like you can't do it you really cannot it'd be imp- almost <sighs> impossible to bend the rules you almost stuff yourself over with only two players on the bench to mm. bend the rules for an 18 minutes that's what i'm trying to say is they my only concern off. is if you already had two HAs, so if you're canberra and uh you, the two players had clashed each other teammates um and they were ruled out and you had to play and somebody else gets injured uh non-head knock and you've got one player left on the bench. So I'm pretty much describing the situation of last week. 
with about 10, 15 minutes to go on the clock, do you then get the third player to go down and bring on the young, youthful, like, sorry, fresh legs? Yeah, but, doesn't I matter mean, that, that they're inexperienced. These days they train with the NRL squads anyway. Yeah, so I've, they're used to the systems, they're used to the contact, uh, maybe not for long periods of time, but maybe they could come in and do a 10-minute job. What I would do as an extra is any player that gets uh, concussion subbed, so the 18th player comes in for that player, can't play next week. Okay. And that, 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 that would make sure that nobody was... Um, faking HIAs. Was faking HIAs. Because if but, you, you ask somebody to do that to get your concussion sub on, that third player can't play next week. Regardless well, of any results, test or whatever, he can't play because the 18th man was used. With those development players we're talking about, yeah. so once we figure out what it is, so one week teams will have a prop on the bench, I'm guessing, a second a back rower, an outside back, and usually yeah. a half. We'll so you do not want to have a half back on the interchange bench or an outside back, we'll call it, and a, pro- a prop cops a hit in the head and have to replace mm. him. Because there'll be no there's, use there's, for the half There's half ways back. around it. You can move a lock into, into that. You put your hooker to lock and you put your half at hooker. Like, there's ways to do it, depending on which setup you got. There's ways to move around that. Okay. So it'd be interesting to see how they go tact- tactically and um, or not with that reel. But um, I think we can't really say much more about that until we find... Yeah, more about, more, about more, that. more detail. So that means there's no more things to talk about rugby league. Well, that was it. It made its re- official return. So that means we move to Old Dog. Now, you says no more things to talk about in rugby league. I'm no, sure there's, there's no, just in our, oh, our, our rugby league world. Oh, rugby league world. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say there's probably a. a, a oh, there's heaps. <laughs> but we're moving to Old Dog, so we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we thought we put rugby league world here, so we can go to Old Dog to finish on a bulldog note. Mm. Uh, you don't know who Old Dog is this week. We didn't speak about him at all. No, it's um, Razatazi, though. No, we've already <laughs> So, you know, I liked my links and stuff, but this Nigel person, Bungler? we've already used Nigel as well. Damn. Yes, nice. so <laughs> I've actually picked a player who's had big, relatively big moments, right reasons and wrong reasons against South Sydney recently. He's never actually played a game for South, so there's the link. Instead of linking the club history playing for both clubs that I like to do a lot of the times or picking like a famous moment. This person's had a, a couple of famous moments against South, sometimes good, sometimes not. Uh, he played 135 games for Canterbury. I want to see if you can get guess this. 135 games for oh, Canterbury. Graham. James Graham on the money. James Graham. Yeah, as, soon as, as soon as you said that, he's had moments <laughs> good and bad against South. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing you're going to say the Adam Reynolds tackle. Yeah, uh, gave away the penalty, uh, which was complete bullcrap. Um, <laughs> the um, knocking Sam Burgess breaking his face in the grand final. I reckon that's a highlight. No, <laughs> not not the actual injury. I'm not saying injuring someone is a highlight. Mm. It's the fact that they came uh, at each other like that, and Graham won the first con, like won the actual contact. By the way, underrated player in that tackle, uh, who made that tackle was actually Aiden Tolman, who was the direct contact with Sam Burgess. At first, but anyway, he do- doesn't matter. It was the because gra- it was the Graham and uh, Burgess battle. So I thought we can highlight James Graham. He just recently uh, retired from rugby league last year, so he's a pretty much a pup old dog, I guess. Uh, just a relatively new one. Uh, 135 games for Canterbury. Uh, club captain scored nine tries between 2012 and 2017. Very sad departure from the club. It 
it was up there because it just for some reason, as an Englishman, uh, it just felt, looked like a bulldog. Was a bulldog. Is a bulldog now. But like that's why it hurt a lot. That he just the way the bulldogs talk about their way as a club, how like they the way they play, he just enembled it. Like you know, it was a bulldog through and through, despite the fact you know being from England. So, uh, and we can also actually thank him for Luke Thompson. Luke Thompson idolized James Graham and then what bought a bulldogs jersey. There you go. So, and he said he always wanted to play for Bulldogs. Uh, Luke Thompson after that. But anyway, played, you know, that long, not overly a long time, but God, what a successful time for the club. The 2012 grand final, uh, unfortunately, a loss to Melbourne in 2014, multiple final series. Uh, skillful forward. He actually brought in those little passes at the line. Uh, a lot to actually a lot to Sam Cassiano or Aiden Tolman to you know make some meters in the middle, um, or Benny Barber. Yeah, Benny Barber at the back. Yeah, so and yeah. you know we had like a skillful forward pack where we had big blokes throwing short balls, uh, not afraid to throw the ball around and shift it a little bit early in the tackle count. Uh, we had big guys running with big guys, and also little Benny Barber at the background. Are not afraid to even dummy to Barber or shape that you're passing to Barber, then throwing it to another prop to go through a hole just to, you know, uh, highlight. He actually ended up playing 51 games for the St. George Illawarra Dragons between 2018 and uh, 2020 before he departed to go back to St. Helens, uh, the club that he grew up supporting as a kid. Uh, 236 games for St. Helens between 2003 2011 plus the uh, 2020, uh, 54 tries in that stint. Grand final win to finish off the thing. The famous watching the big screen, just wait, just wait, was what was he was saying <laughs> uh, before he got confirmation that it was a try. Uh, I think everyone was going for um, St. Helens that night for James Graham, loved by the whole NRL community uh, and the Super League, the whole rugby league world, actually, he's loved by. More games than um, Cameron Smith, I think. Yes. Uh, 479 first-class games. Wow. Wow, yeah, that's including games for Great Britain, England, the LRL All-Stars, as you said, Canterbury, St. George of Lawara, and then St. Helens in the Super League. Well, um, what, a, what a moment that grand final, just watching James Graham, like, well, I watched the grand final. I actually watched that video multiple times with James Graham. Just wait, just wait, and watching his emotion on his face. Watch face-to-face to face with Matty Johns from last week. Yeah. Really good. Uh, um, 44 games for England. Unfortunately, um, this is a... This is a bit of a fun fact for you. He was involved in England's first ever loss to Italy. Wow. Yeah, in the warm-up to the uh, World Cup. Italy, Italy beat England 15 points to 14. That's oh. the one game that uh, Graham played for England that's not classified as a test match because it was oh. a warm-up to a World warm-up. Cup. Mm. Oh, wow, that's a shock, actually. <laughs> Almost make yeah. me feel like just throwing this out. And... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, against... I, I think you summed it up, Scotty. He became a Bulldog player. Um, and he had his best years in the NRL at the Bulldogs. What a leader. Um, and unlucky not to win a premiership. He probably deserved it in the NRL. Yeah. Well, he definitely deserved it. Deserved to win a premiership in the NRL. Good to see him win two with St. Helens, one at the start of his career, and to finish his career with uh, one as well is fitting. Yeah, I'll just quickly wrap up the rest of it because you did it nicely there. Nine games for Great Britain. Uh, we spoke about his grand final losses. The two matches for NRL All-Stars uh, when the concept originally started. 2006 Challenge Cup final winner uh, earlier on in his career. Uh, that was over the Huddersfield Giants. 
Uh, he did the. He, he went back to back and won the 2006 Grand Final against Hull FC. You 2008 Man of Steel award. You know that's an impressive. Award. So that's for those who don't know the equivalent to the Daily M Super League. Um, you know it's very hard for a prop to win. You know afford afford to win that type of award. Uh, you know he played multiple unfortunate losses at Grand Finals, but you know just I just want to highlight not I'm not going to highlight all of them. I'm just highlighting the fact that he was always up there. In mm. the top of the league, I think he from... lost seven grand finals. Yes, it was a number like so. I just wanted to like highlight the fact that he was always up there's there's about in the like when it came to the pointy yeah. end of the season. Well, James play, Graham to play in nine grand finals. Yeah, James it's Graham cool. is there. Uh, I you know I've highlighted my impersonation of James Graham's uh, waiting for the grand final thing. Uh, one thing that he was a, a bit of a character in a sense. You know, every game. Especially a home match, sorry, with Kennery. If he was running towards a Bulldogs Bay, even in an away match, he'd put his hands up in for the Dragons and always clap the crowd. After a loss, you could see how disappointed he was. It looked like he ne- didn't want to do it, but he would always walk around. And for those fans who stayed, big loss mm. or n- a close loss, he would wave to the crowd and actually thank them. But you can see the disappointment on his face when we win. <laughs> Much more animated James Graham, you know, oh, like, you know, mm. thing. But. I actually remember going to a Panthers game, and I want to put this in there. Uh, Bulldogs versus Panthers, it was back maybe about 2014. Uh, it was about a fifth, if I remember correctly, 14, 15,000 in the crowd. Blue and white. People were calling it, people were saying, did this game get moved to Belmore because it was a suburban ground and blue and white covered the whole Western grandstand. Uh, when they Bulldogs ran out, it was a massive roar, and actually when Panthers ran out, they ran out to a boot. But when James Graham actually ran out to the field, and he was running towards, he actually took a look at the crowd, and I think it was a bit of an awe that it was just he was running into a Bulldogs game. Mm. And he straight away put his hands above his head, started clapping the grandstand. Then he looked at the army on the hill and started clapping them. And while the Panthers were running out, he was clapping the crowd, uh, which is enormous. I just love the way he appreciated the fans. Uh, Multiple times he gave jerseys away Mm. to people doing it tough. Uh, He always was approachable at members' days. He... You know, sometimes when you weren't meant to take photos with players, Graham would be one of those players who would wait back and you could take photos with. You'd have a genuine chat with him. Mm. Uh, if the club came off a loss, oh, he would tell you that he was not happy about it. But he was just such a genuine player. And then everything mm. about the Bulldogs, and if blood. I looked at a player, yeah. If the bull, if the club could speak and what it would look like, it would look like James Graham. <laughs> the way he played the game. This is, Pretty sure you've wrapped it up really well there, yeah. Scotty. It's probably a very strong way to end the episode. Um, I'll just say, hopefully one day he writes a autobiography called Ron Gunson. And I think that would uh, that would be fantastic. All right, Scotty, get the socials yeah. and we'll be all uh, off. Twitter, Bulldogs, at Bulldogs Fans NRL. Instagram, at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. Facebook, NRL Bulldogs Fans podcast, by the way. Uh, Got the most likes in a week just recently. So get on there, guys. Join it up. It's growing pretty fast. And if you want, uh, give us an email to talk about or just even ask us genuine questions about anything, really. Bulldogs.fans at gmail.com.au is where you get us. Fantastic. Until next week, guys. Goodbye.